ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Full See My Head. It's episode 27, and we missed you guys. It's It's been a while. We've kind of been on a little all-star break ourselves. Lorenzo was out in California enjoying all-star week and all its festivities, and I don't know, I was taking it easy. Um, but it's good to be back with you guys. Uh, hopefully you're still here, still listening. I know some of you guys are waiting on bated breath for our return. Well, here we are. We are back, and we do have a loaded episode today. We've missed a lot. Uh, not going to get into too great of a detail. We're going to skip right over that disgusting series loss to Oakland right before the break, which going to pretend it didn't happen. Doesn't count. Not worried about it. Uh, but we will recap. Uh, Lorenzo is going to give us a rundown on the All-Star Week, his experiences out there in sunny Los Angeles. We will recap the Astros series sweep over the Yankees. And then a huge sweep this weekend of the Seattle Mariners. We're going to preview this upcoming series with the Oakland A's. Do a little Astros roundup and a very brief around the league. Stay tuned for around the league because we have a big announcement uh, during that segment as well. So, Lorenzo, how's it feel to be back? How, how was California? Oh, it feels so great to be back in the H. Oh, however, that Cali weather is really pretty out there. I'm not going to yeah, lie. No type of humidity or anything like that, but uh, it feels great to be back in Houston. Um, you know, finally get to watch the Astros actually on TV and not be able to hear them on the radio or just look at the highlights on Twitter. Right. California was good, though. I mean, I enjoyed my break, um, you know, found a vacation. We had gone to um, Saturday. We gone to San Francisco, went to a Giants game. And like I said, it must be on your bucket list. If you're going to try to get to go around the MLB parks, that one right there is a major one because you will oh, not be disappointed. Yeah, you will not be disappointed when you go to Oracle Park. Very pretty by the McCovey uh, Cove. It just it's a beautiful atmosphere. But however, take your jacket, take a sweater, take a blanket. It gets really chilly out there. Um did you have any head of, over. The, of the of the hot chocolate from the hot chocolate vendors? No, they didn't actually. I was looking for something like that. They didn't have nothing out there, but really hot dog. Yeah, and they had a hot dog vendor, but not I didn't get to see no um, you know, hot chocolate vendors. That would have been nice for me because it was pretty like I said, it was pretty nippy out there. Um, I was there, but yeah, I was there last summer. There was a guy, and it's Ghirardelli, and he had on like a backpack with a hot chocolate kettle on the back. And like, if you ordered it, he just like had like a little, <laughs> like a little, I don't know, it looked like a yard sprayer, right? And he would just fill up your hot chocolate. I'm surprised you didn't see them though, but that's cool. It's a cool part. Yeah, Oracle is a good one. Then we go on to the next day, we go to San Diego to go see the Padres at Petco. And between them two, I think them are the, probably the best two ballparks over there in California. I only went to three on this trip, obviously, Dodger Stadium. And then well, I'm just about to talk about Petco Park. Um, them two, Oracle and Petco, you, it's a must. They are very pretty. The palm trees um, in Petco Park. And then you got the beach right next to it as well. It's a pretty sightseeing view. Uh, Padres Hall of Fame is really nice. Uh, former Astro Ken Caminetti has his little shrine in there in San Diego, um, Mr. Padre himself, Tony Gwim. Um, but the biggest highlight of them all, there were beer bats out there, dude. I mean, they, I loved it. I, I grabbed one and I had a uh, swinging fryer ale. I don't know. I mean, really over there in California, I was telling you earlier. Um, I mean, they're big on IPAs out there. I'm not an IPA type of guy, but I mean, those IPAs, the swinging fryer ale, I highly recommend it. It was really good. I had two beer bats. So yeah, that's the, I mean, that's, that's the real reason why we didn't have an episode was Lorenzo was zooted off the beer bats. Oh, dude. I, and that was a great <laughs> drive back home too. I don't kiss all knocked down in the back, but um, yeah, highly recommend Petco park as well. And then this is when we get into the all-star festivities, you had the celebrity uh, softball game, the futures game. I didn't go to that, um, you know, because I had a vacation. So I went to other, do other things. Um, I think that day I went to the fan fest. They had an MLB play ballpark and that's their fan fest that they do for the fans and for the kids. And, you know, for the families out there, they give away free stuff. Um, got vendors out there that sell, you know, local artists like paint paintings and uh, drawings. And they even had like a mascot puzzle. I grabbed one for me and my family to, you know, do on the way home or, you know, do with your friends or anything like that. But I mean, it was a great overall experience for that part. They had, Free stuff, like I said, a uh, great thing for the kids. 
and for families to be around with each other, you know, talk to other baseball fans as well. But coming in now is the home run derby. Julio Rodriguez swinging that back is, oh, my God. I mean, Dude, that first it, round it was, was electric. 30, what, 31, 32? 32. Oh, my gosh. Like, it was just, I mean, just him swinging the, it just looked effort, like effortless. Like, it just didn't even look like he was swinging the bat really hard. But, um, for yeah, for some, I mean, that was my pick. I said, if it wasn't going to be Pete Alonzo, I had Julio Rodriguez. And, unfortunately, he made it to the final round, but didn't take away the hardware Juan Soto did. And then coming into the um, all-star game itself, wore my Astro jersey. You already know. Um, you know, a lot of fans having, you know, I had Dodger fans next to me that said it was cheaters and all that stuff. I tried screaming Kyle Tucker's name. I, I, I tried like about four or five times, me and my family, and couldn't get his attention. I mean, we're like all the way at the third deck. Mm. Tried my best. I lost my voice almost doing that. Um, Framber Valdez. I mean, he looked lights out, dude. He, yeah, he was, he was definitely great. lights out of that. Got the uh, win game. Yes, first Astro to receive an All Star game win. I mean, we we just had in 2018 our first All Star game MVP, and now in 2022 we get to have our first pitcher to go home with an All Star game win. So it was nice to see that live in person. Uh, Kyle Tuck, not Kyle Tucker. Um, well, yeah, Kyle Tucker, Framber Valdez. When they were doing the coaches, presenting them out, it was so funny. Alex Centron was the, like, I mean, everybody, you know, tip the cap or, you know, wave the hands into the crowd. Because, of course, when they're announcing the Houston, you know, lineup or any anything with Houston involved, they're going to boo. Right. So when Alex Centron came up into the board, he threw his hands underneath you know, basically underlying Houston on his jersey it was so funny. I mean, I mean, I was cheering him on. I was cheering on the, all the guys, Bracamonte himself, even the bullpen. But great experience, dude. I mean, I highly recommend, you know, even though we didn't have an all-star game in 04 at Houston, I recommend going somewhere else and seeing it live in another city because you get to – it's it's a mini vacation of baseball. It's a family vacation as well to do other things besides baseball – and, you know, it's just a great atmosphere. You got different fans from everywhere. You got fans from San Francisco, St. Louis, uh, Arizona, New York, of course. You know, all, all these other teams. It's a great experience for all baseball fans to come around and then, you know, even have that under your bucket list as well. So highly recommend it. But overall, it was a great vacation, well needed for me and my family. And, um, yeah, talk, ready to talk about some Astros baseball, though, for sure. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. It's a cool trip. I've always wanted to – to go to an all-star game. I know next year is in, is in Seattle and they unveiled this weekend, they unveiled the logo and everything. That's going to be a really awesome all-star game. Seattle is a cool city. That's a, such a nice park to go to. Um, definitely try to make that happen. Um, overall, you know, it was, it was a restful all-star, you know, week, I think uh, with, with Altuve and Verlander not playing. Obviously we saw Frember and, and Tucker in the game there. Uh, but it was good. It was enjoyable. I thought, I thought the home run derby was fun. Um, I, I had Schwarber. I was like, I'm going to outthink everybody like Schwarber can, can do it. And then he goes down to Pujols in the first round. <laughs> and I was like, ah, okay. I guess I should have seen that one coming. Um, but no, I thought the, the derby was fun. The final round between Soto and, and J-Rod was fun. Let me ask you, do you like the current format that we've kind of been roughly with the last few years here? Or do you, would you like to go back to like 10 outs? It just goes faster. I like how they do the timeouts in between, you know, their yeah. round because, of course, you need a break and everything like that. But sometimes, you know, going back to the old days, I did enjoy the 10 outs because you get to see, like, for instance, you could throw in um, – what's his name? Josh Hamilton's that, – That's you know, what I was going to say. Josh Hamilton having a freaking slugfest at Yankee Stadium in 08. I mean, it, it would be cool to go back to the 10 outs. I don't oppose of it though. You know, I, I like this format as well, but I wouldn't oppose to going back to the 10 outs. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like, like you said, like just for the watchability and the interest um, that they'll stick with this method because like, it does suck. Like when it's 10 outs and they just sit there and, and they just watch like eight straight pitches, you know? Um, yeah. But I, 
and like that's the thing where this one like i thought you know obviously you were there but like watching on the broadcast like Julio Rodriguez's pitcher was just dotting him. He was hitting. He was hitting the exact same mark every time. It was brilliant. Um, and then like Alonzo's pitcher was good, but he was just so slow. Like yeah, he didn't even have time to hit as many home runs as he needed to to win. I thought he might even go down uh, in that first round. But no, it was it was a great derby. The All Star game was fun. It wasn't high scoring, but I mean Stanton hit the shit out of that ball. Oh, dude, that ball landed almost <laughs> near the freaking. Uh, he the, crushed the next- that. Yeah, like it was just, I mean, it was just a missile. It was a missile rocket to left. It was almost like the one he hit in Miami. I think he hit it out of Dodgers Stadium. There was a stadium that he had hit it out when he was with Miami. I I, don't, I can't remember if it was San Diego or uh, Dodger Stadium, but I want to say it was Dodger Stadium. But he, I think he's a Cali boy too. Um, he got the MVP All Star game yeah. of uh, Ted Williams All Star game MVP. But Byron Buxton hit a home run. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt got everything started. Yeah, I mean, all the stars showed up. I mean, it was a great sight to see. It was, it was. Uh, It was a good break. I think the Astros needed to kind of recap, obviously, you know, stumbling into the break a little bit. Uh, That, again, that series against Oakland was ugly and gross. But coming out of the All-Star break, there was a lot of talk. You know, even we talked, mentioned this in the last episode, that the first five games out of the break for the Astros were going to be huge because you had the Yankees twice at home in a doubleheader. And he had to go on the road to Seattle. Seattle, who has been kind of a thorn in our side this season. Seattle, who had won 14 straight games going into the break. Seattle, who was, you know, surging all the right times. And Julio Rodriguez goes and he's the star of the home run derby. And then the Astros swept all five of those games. So we're sitting here on Monday. And I don't think I could be happier with how these last five days went. These last five games, I should say. Oh, yeah, especially when you lose a series uh, against the Oakland Athletics to, you know, end your first half of the season, then you just come back. I mean, Altuve, you know, of course, sat out. Justin Verlander sat out. Uh, Jordan Alvarez with his sore hand, you know, sat out as well. And then three contributed, you know, to that series, you know, not just the Yankees, but that Mariners series. Uh, we'll talk about more with JV, but I mean, JV pitched his butt off against Seattle. Altuve having two leadoff shots in Seattle. Same thing as Jordan. He had a bomb in his first game, um, not first game back, but the second first game AB. back. It was just, yes. well, I guess, yeah. Yeah, first AB because he got but, walked. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's start there. Let's start with, you know, Thursday. Most of the rest of the league is not playing. Got a handful of makeup games, but the marquee matchup coming out of the All Star break was Yankees at Astros. We played the first game of this series back in, in June. Uh, doubleheader Thursday afternoon in Houston. And game one, we had Christian Javier on the mound versus Tyler Anderson, the big lefty. And I thought Christian Javier was fantastic. He went five innings pitch, two hits, one run, four walks, three strikeouts. Um, that only run he gave up was a solo shot to DJ LeMahieu in the fifth. It was as much as you could ask for, I think, from Christian Javier. Like, he wasn't, you know – dazzling he wasn't striking him out like he was that last time he played the Yankees but he did everything he needed to do and the Astros got the dub three two yeah I mean it wasn't Tyler Anderson it was Jordan Montgomery oh yeah but uh yeah but um yeah I mean all the things all the you know guys were hitting 10 hits you know from that game and then Christian Javier continuing to dismantle these the New York lineup that they have that, you know, that they say that is the strongest lineup in the league, which, you know, back to different, I don't think that's even close, but um, yeah, five innings pitch, two hits, giving up a run, four walks, three strikeouts. Usually his strikeout rate's pretty high, but you know, you're going to, there's going to be those days that you just get the ground balls, the flyouts and everything like that. But Christian Javier continuing to have his strong, um, you know, starting pitching campaign that he's been doing it. But I mean, that last inning of the ninth, you know, I was just getting the updates on my phone. Like I said, I was on vacation and I saw Kiner Falefa up. I think Marvin Gonzalez got replaced by him and he hit it between Bregman and Payton. And then I saw the replay. I'm like, oh, man, that that has to be a play made right there. But, you know, it, it is what it play. is. Yeah. I mean, that's why I said, I mean, you know, it's just what it is, what it is. And, um, you know, but I mean, overall, great game for Houston to continue to bats and we didn't know how the bats were going to be either 
we didn't no. know if they were going to be cold or hot or you know it's it's just we just have to see and sure enough you know they look pretty hot yeah and you know it did get a little dicey there astros were leading 2-1 going into the ninth yanks tied up uh really had the opportunity to do some more damage in the, in the top of the ninth but we get to the bottom of the ninth and jj matajevic the walk-off hero the kid comes through yeah yeah the jj yeah. the planes little, yeah they had a walk out little walk-off single into the shift yeah, no one at second base either. No. It was just, I mean, just how you drew it up right there. Yeah, it was. It, it was a good win. It was exciting. I think, you know, and being a Thursday afternoon game, like everybody was either watching the game or was following along on their phones. Uh, so there was a lot of energy. Uh, and the energy just stayed right there in the building. It stayed right there. And going into game two, the return of the big man, Jordan Alvarez, back in the lineup, uh, coming off that hand injury, like you said, kept him out of the all-star game kept him out of that uh, series against Oakland before the break. Uh, did not start against Jordan Montgomery in the first game, uh, but he, he does come back. He's back in the lineup for game two, and his first at bat, Oppo into the Crawford boxes. What a guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's why you pay him the big bucks right there, just things that he does right there. And this is going opposite field. This man has it, Where is this power. coming from? Exactly. He has crazy power to go the other way and it showed that game right there because he had the home run in the Crawford boxes and then you know later in the game he hits a double off the wall yeah and left center so I mean this the, I mean he was really amped and that, that's another thing too that we haven't even talked about we didn't know how he was gonna come back I mean he yeah. hasn't he didn't play for about what maybe a week he was on the 10-day IL and we didn't know how he was gonna be and first game back I mean that was a freaking shot to the Crawford boxes in the front row and, um, you know, hits another, what, two RBI double in left center. So, yeah, I mean, it was great to have the big man come back and perform like this. Yeah, especially with, in the combination. I mean, he hits that home run in the, in the bottom of the first, and then he goes back-to-back with Bregman. Bregman gets up there, and he sends one into the Crawford boxes as well. Um, both those guys going two for four of multiple RBIs. Even Chaz McCormick got in on the phone with the home run uh, later on in the game. And all this behind Luis Garcia, who went five innings pitched, three hits, two runs, two walks, six strikeouts. I mean, it's as much as you probably could ask from, from Luis Garcia, too. I mean, you got, like you said, the best lineup in baseball. I think over the course of the seven-game series versus the Astros, they got held to a 151 batting average. That's insane. Our pitchers pitched their ass off against these guys. Um, and it, I think it bodes really well for October that, you know, our starters continue, our, our whole pitching staff, everybody, they, they play up when the moment demands it, you know, like they're not scared yeah. of these guys. They don't back down from the big moments. And that's something so cool about the Astros and, you know, the recent success we've enjoyed is that even our young guys, our guys who have, this is their second year in the major leagues. Guess what? They've been to the world series before, you know, like they have a yeah. veteran mentality as young guys and that, and and this just shows that on Thursday, you know, if they were poised, uh, held on to it. But for me, the thing that I love the most about Game Two on Thursday was Brandon Belak. Yeah, coming in, you know, we had to use more arms. I think we used uh, four arms to get out of the first game. Uh, needed and with this five, you know, this three-game stretch on the road against Seattle, needed to preserve the bullpen a little bit. Garcia's using a lot of bullets. Comes out in the sixth. And Brandon Belak, who is the 27th man on the roster for the doubleheader, comes in and gives three incredibly strong innings in relief. And, I mean, yeah. you couldn't have asked more for that. I mean, I mean, like this is a guy in Brandon Belak who, you know, he was part of the problem with the bullpen last year, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, we struggled – the bullpen struggled last year, and he was part of it. He'd show signs every now and then. He'd have a good outing, but then he'd have two bad ones and – but he came in Thursday and he was phenomenal. Uh, he had three strong innings and they let Dusty left him in for the ninth, try to let him ride it out. Didn't go very well. Uh, Judge hit a shot, made it seven five. But at the end of the day, we swept the Yankees at home in a doubleheader, first out of the break. And I loved every second of it. Yep. And then they won the series as well against the Yankees. So we have a tiebreaker yeah. in first place. We obviously get the, um, you know, the first seed. But, um, yeah, a little bit more, you know, piggyback on Brandon Bielek. I mean, this guy wasn't, you know, he had helped us in 2020 
in that COVID year. Yeah. 2021 as well, he was having a little bit of problems. And, you know, he grew. He, you know, that's how young pitchers, young players grow. You know, you grow yeah. from your mistakes. That's even basically in life. You have to fail in order to succeed. And I think that's one of the showings right here in Brandon's, um, you know, three-inning game right there against the New York Yankees. And this kid, when he had gone to New York, I believe he's around the East Coast. He lives around, you know, that part he's of the from, East Coast. He's from New Jersey. Yeah, New Jersey. So he had family go. I remember this because he was talking on the radio on Sports Talk 790 um, that he was having family coming into New York to see him, you know, hopefully pitch. And I believe he did not pitch one, not even one inning, one batter to anybody in that series. Gets his chance to probably, you know, I, I'm pretty sure he grew up watching the Yankees play, pitching against his team that he grew up watching and shuts him down for three innings and a third. You know, like you said, gave up that shot to judge and everything. But I think too, Dusty, giving him that trust to a young yeah. pitcher that's developing in a situation against going against the number one team in, you know, in major league for this season. And, you know, yeah, he didn't get to finish it off. However, he is the real reason why our bullpen is well rested for that, you know, for the Seattle yeah, series. That we're about absolutely. To talk. And, you know, and just having the team continue to roll on, you know, going into Seattle. So, I mean, it was, I mean, it was a great outing for him. Um, like you said, these pitchers, young pitchers, we're talking about a, uh, Luis Garcia skipping double A, triple A. He came from high A ball and I believe from Fateville and already, mm-hmm. you know, made a big, you know, we could already talk about World Series moments, um, you know, postseason moments for him. Pitching in the World Series postseason. Christian Javier is another one. Bam, right there. You know, I think he was in, uh, I know he pitched in Corpus. I'm not too sure about Round Rock. I want to say he did, but. You know, I'm not going to don't quote me on that. But, you know, be, being able to develop these players to be ready for big situations like this has shown like the player development in the organization and the future of this ball club. So, I mean, prop, major props to Brandon Bielak for that outing to continue, you know, the Astros offense, even the pitching as well, rolling into Seattle. Yeah, for sure. And you know, that's just one of those stories you love with baseball, the the guy getting one shot and making the most of it. Um, yeah, that was just a big takeaway that I, I kept thinking about all, all night Thursday night. And I was like, man, you just got to love that for that guy. Um, so that takes us into Friday. Big series versus Seattle. And I don't know if I've ever seen a team talk so much shit the way that Seattle was going into this series. Because their fans, man, they I know you were on vacation, but you were on Twitter too. They were fired up. They thought they were going to come out of the break and just punch us in the mouth. Like, these fools really thought that their 14-game win streak meant something. They thought that that nine games back in the division was nothing, and they were right behind us. Like, they were going to get our ass. That lasted all of literally two pitches on Friday night. I mean, Altuve, I think from the second that Altuve hit that leadoff home run Friday night in Friday night's game, I was like, all right. This is over. Like, I, I, I was like, we're going to win this game. We're going to win this series. We might sweep this series. Um, you, you know, it was just kind of – it was. sometimes you got to re- remind the the new kid on the block who daddy is, uh, who, who's the boss, right? Uh, and that's exactly what the Astros did. I think that's the whole theme of this series was the Astros just reminded Seattle who is boss. Uh, game one, again, Altuve had a leadoff bomb. He was getting booed. They had a sellout crowd in T-Mobile, and Altuve just silenced them. Uh, he and Altuve went three for five Friday night, too. We saw Jordan get back in the action with another home run two days in a row. Even Machete, Martin Maldonado with a home run for his 10th home run of the season. Would you have expected that preseason? I told you Martin Maldonado was going to have double-digit home runs. Not even close, dude. He was, <laughs> we were just talking about him and Castro being the worst. Yeah. Catching's duel in MLB history, and now he has 10-plus homers. So <laughs> shut us up, Machete. Please continue on. Um, Overall, it was a great offensive performance Friday night. Everybody had a hit except Tucker. Um, again, Altuve is three for five. Uh, and all that behind Jose Arquiti, who had a great start, going six innings pitched, four hits, one run, two walks, three strikeouts. Uh, looked like we were cruising, but it got a little hairy there. 
It, it got a little hairy there in the eighth inning. So this brings us back to a question we've asked before of Phil Maton. How are we feeling about Phil Maton? It's kind of iffy. It's kind of iffy so far. I'd rather trust Seth Martinez over Phil Maton you know, at this I, point. It's been like that for a while for me now because, you know, Phil will have his days, but it's been getting to the point of almost, and you know, every time he comes out, it's kind of like, okay, you know, what version of Phil Maton are we going to get today? Are we going to sure. get the, you know, the curveball just right down the middle and, you know, bombs away for the other team? Or are we going to get, you know, nasty – you know, break of the spinning curveball and or his fastball, you know, what are we going to get? What kind of version are we going to get from Phil Maton? And it's kind of getting iffy. I know I'm pretty sure, you know, we'll talk about it later what pitchers are going to be available out there because I think, you know, that was one of the key trades last year was trying to get a reliever, and that's what we yeah. sent away Miles Straw for. So it's going to be, you know, it, it's kind of iffy right now for Phil for me. You know, like I said, I, I trust Seth Martinez more than this guy. Yeah, and I think that they're they're really using Maton. Dusty's he's using him as a lefty reliever. Let me let me say this. Like, yeah, let me say this of, though. He he is the Brooks Rayleigh of yes. Dusty Baker this year. Because you know, last year it was always Brooks Rayleigh to come in for some stupendous, you know, situation. It, it could have been like a high leverage situation and then we sent brooks Rayleigh to um you know try to get us out of it and i think that's what dusty's like looking for and this bullpen like who am i going to use utilize more and it's kind of been phil maton and phil maton putting up brooks Rayleigh numbers from what maybe a year or two years ago so i mean yeah i think that's what i was going to say about that but continue on what you're going to say yeah well i think you know i I think part of the reason his use is the way that it is is because he has good splits against lefties, and that's why Dusty kind of puts him in some of these situations he does when he does. Uh, but it didn't really go well Friday night, going in the bottom of the eighth uh, with the 5-1 lead. Um, and, you know, you don't really ever feel super safe with the Seattle team. You're never really super sure because, you know, we've seen games up there in Seattle kind of get away from us real fast there in the late innings. Uh, and Maton did not have it. He only got one out, giving up one hit, uh, a run, two walks. He walked in a run and leaves it to the all-star snub, Ryan Stanek, to come in. And Stanek was lights out. He comes in, bases loaded, two outs, shuts it down. Pena had an incredible inc- – did you see that at least? Yeah, I saw that. I was able to see that. I even, you know, saw what the Seattle broadcaster had said about that catch. Yeah. Yeah, Jerry Pena had – that was an incredible catch. It looked like a young Carlos Correa jumping up there for that ball. But, um, you know, had the whole broadcast, the whole team bamboozled, thinking they got a hit, they got a break. But, um, yeah, that was incredible to even, you know, continue Stanek's, um scoreless streak that he has going too as well. Yeah. So, I mean, defense, you know, defense is going to win ball games, and it just showed right there in that moment. Yeah, I mean, and Pinion makes that snag, saves at least one run. Uh, probably two, and then Stanek comes back and he's pumping 100 miles an hour to get the, the third strikeout, get out of the inning. Uh, and then Naris shuts the door and it's a 5 2 win Friday night in Seattle. Uh, I think it was really a, it was a demoralizing loss for Seattle, you know, like coming into that game with all their expectations. Altuve smacks a leadoff home run. They kind of got a little bit of late hope and just ripped their hearts out late. And you, you got to love that. You got to love doing that to teams. <laughs> It sucks oh, when yeah, it happens that's to you, you, but it, it's nice to do, to do it to somebody else every now and then. Yeah, it's things you love to see, and and I I knew that was going to happen. I knew they were going to go on this fourteen game. You know, I didn't know that actually. I didn't know they were going to go on a fourteen game hot streak, but I knew that was going to come to an end when we came into town. But I didn't think it was going to be a three game losing streak from there. I thought you know we'll had win the series, you know, against them. But I mean, even better, we swept them. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was great to see that. Anyway, so that, that was Friday night's game. So going into game two on Saturday, we had Justin Verlander on the mound. And Verlander has been pretty phenomenal uh, his last few starts going into this. Obviously, he, he missed his start during he, – he missed a start there for a little while, and like the lead of the All-Star week. Then he was 
back and then he did not play in the all-star break. Um, I think a lot of people, myself included, kind of expected him to have one of those uh, doubleheaders against the Yankees. But here he is Saturday versus the Mariners. And it was an all-time classic Justin Verlander outing. He was phenomenal. Seven innings pitched, four hits, one run, two walks, nine strikeouts. And he didn't give up that run uh, until late. He was dominant all day. He was striking him out. He was hitting his spots. He looked phenomenal. Uh, In the seventh inning, he was hitting 99.3. I think four times he hit 99 plus. He, He was great. Looking like a vintage Justin Verlander, if you ask me. He thirty nine years old and you're thirty nine years old and you're pumping ninety nine. Yeah, coming off Tommy John, post Tommy John, right there, dude. I mean, it's great to see. And then the emotion too after he got that big strikeout to end it. Oh man, I was pumped just looking at the highlights on JV. Yeah, he he looked great, and he looks to me like an American League Cy Young candidate, if not the if not the leader. Um, and it sucks. I feel like he's still not getting the respect that he should be um, nationally because over his last – this is a crazy stat. Over his last five starts, he has a .79 ERA with 36 strikeouts and three earned runs. He, he's been remarkable. He's had those two bad starts, the one versus the White Sox and the one uh, in, in Seattle back in May. Uh, but other than that, he has been – just incredible. He he leads Major League Baseball with 13 wins. He's the first one to that that plateau. He's climbing back the, on the ERA leaderboard. It's it's incredible stuff what we're seeing from Justin Verlander. And guys, do not take it for granted. Is this does not happen very often. You don't see guys doing what he's doing at his age. 39 years old and coming off Tommy John surgery as well too. And, yeah, like you said, I don't think the media does give enough attention to Justin Verlander. And it's crazy because, you know, no offense to Shane McClanahan, but JV, you know, coming off post-Tommy John surgery, number one. Number two, 39 years old. You're going to tell me a Shane McClanahan, if he is 39, you're going to tell me he's going to pitch a 1.86 ERA and is leading MLB with 13 wins or leading MLB just in regularly in wins? No. I mean, you know, no offense. You know, McClanahan has had a great year. Rays right now, I believe, what, they're like second or third in the division in the AL East. Astros are number one, right? I mean, come on now. I mean, we, we should give more attention to JV. You know, besides his brother, you know, uh, Ben Verlander, giving him all the, you know, praise and everything because he's, you know, obviously a sibling. But Justin Verlander is just continuing to, you know, pitch a great game at the age that he's at right now. Yeah, he, he was. And he was phenomenal. And watching him was he, – he was just a delight. Um, and it wasn't a huge day from the offense. I mean, three runs. Three runs on seven hits. Uh, Jake Myers was two for three with an RBI. Tuck and Yuli had doubles. But for the most part, I just kind of got it done. And it, and it was enough. You know, Justin Verlander is one of those guys that – doesn't you don't need a lot of run support, but give it to him and, and he'll make it work. Um, the kill over the Astros, they're they're one for nine with runners in scoring position, which is irritating, but you know, it happens. That that continues to be a thorn in the side for us, I feel like. Um, but got the win, and that, that's what matters. Got the win in, in pretty dominant fashion. Uh they got a little hairy there in, in the seventh, but Verlander did get that big strikeout, got out of there. And then Parker Mashinsky back from the IL. He looked great in one inning of work. Uh, and then Brian Abreu coming in, getting it done too. So it, it was solid. You know, it was a good win, win the series from a sold out crowd in Seattle. Uh, feeling good going into Sunday. And Sunday, it was bombs away in game three. Right from the get go, Altuve and Pena go back to back to start the game. Astros score two runs in the first in the first inning, three runs in the second. Uh, they they were just piling it on. It, it was a good time for the most part early on on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, starting it off, Altuve, you know, second leadoff homer in the series, and then Pena going back to back with him. It was great to see the Astros offense. You know, they scored almost majority of their runs the first three innings. You got two in the first, 
three in the second and then one in the third, you know, yeah. that's totally up to being uh, six runs, you know, going six zero into the fourth inning against a good Seattle team. Like we said, and of course they didn't have Julio Rodriguez this series because of, you know, that was a crazy thing too, was a wrist injury after he played the all-star game. But um, you know, we won't go into that, but you know, that offense continuing to um, continue going then Jose Altuve as well, just, you know, maybe he didn't need that break from the all-star break. Maybe that's why he didn't want to go LA. And he really yeah. wanted to go. I remember in the interview, he was saying that he was going to go, that he wanted to go, but you know, obviously, I mean, that's the best thing about two, eight, two. He puts the team first before, you know, himself, but you know, everybody got to hit this game as well. I mean, from yeah. Altuve to Maldonado being two for four, Maldonado's average is going up too. You know, we were yeah, talking about it earlier in the, you know, through the season, he was at a below like a hundred, I would say. And now he's at a 0.170, 170 now. So hey, the machete has been up toward the Mendoza line. Not just climbing up, but, ch- you know, chopping it down, you know, chopping <laughs> everything down for him to go back up. But, um, you know, he, he heard about Corey Lee and then he heard about Wilson Contreras. But, um, yeah, I mean, everybody had a great day. Um, you know, all the Dubon haters don't hate on my boy. You know, still president of the fan club here. He's going to help us out. I think, you know, when it comes to this key situations, I believe that's just me. But, um, yeah, great great outing for the boys, um, for the good guys against Seattle. Yeah, it was. And, you know, the offense was clicking, eight runs. You can't complain about that. Fromber uh, looked great, six and two-thirds, eight hits, three earned runs, one walk, eight strikeouts, his 17th straight quality start. He, nice. he, he's fromberizing them out there. Uh, and really, I mean, it was only in, in the seventh when he started to look a little hairy there right before he got pulled, uh, which, you know, maybe he should have come out sooner. But I also I understand Dusty leaving him in. We, we don't have a break for, what, two weeks? Um, yep. August so, you know, try, try to preserve the bullpen as much as possible. And it got a little hairy there. We had a Abraham Toro two-run home run, which I'm so, I thought that was going to come at some point. I was like, they, they're, <laughs> we're, we're going to get a Toro home run. Uh, at some point, and they got it today, but held on for the win, eight to five. Ryan Presley, thirty consecutive batters retired. Yeah, I mean, insane. it's crazy. Just it just coming back nuts. from, just coming back from having you know a beautiful child born in Houston, and then coming to Seattle to get another save to end off the sweep against these Mariners. I mean, I mean, it was great to see. You can't write it, you know, anything better than that for Ryan Presley to continue his, you know, outing after that ugly inning he had in New York. But, I mean, everything has been better since. Oh, he's been know, phenomenal. I mean, he's been the best reliever, the best closer in baseball since that point. I mean, he's yeah. going crazy. Because yeah, that's so, it, what, I mean, ten straight, 10 straight perfect innings? Awesome. Things he loves to see. Thanks. Thank you. Love to see for sure. Uh, but that was that was the, the kind of exclamation mark on a three game sweep of the Seattle Mariners in Seattle. It was, I think, a very demoralizing loss for Seattle. Um, sucks to suck, I guess. But it feels really good as an Astros fan. Five straight wins coming out of the break. Uh, looking good. Sitting top of the AL West and now headed down to Oakland, continuing on this little road trip. Uh, we got three games coming up in Oakland starting tonight, Monday night. We haven't officially finalized the rotation yet, uh, but we do know that tonight in game one at 8, 8.40 first pitch, we're going to have Jake Odorizzi on the mound versus Adam Aller for the A's. Uh, Adam Aller is 0 for 3, 0 and, 0 and 3, sorry, with an 8.56 ERA. Uh, his last start was – he um, – Start of the season as a starter, got shelled, moved to the bullpen, and now he's back in the rotation. Uh, his last start was against the Astros right before the break in that series uh, on Sunday. He went four and a third, gave up five hits, three earned runs, home runs to Tucker and Pena. The Astros ended up losing that game, uh, but – this is a guy that we that we can hit, I think. So hopefully we can, we can get after him early out there in Oakland. Yeah, I completely agree. We're coming off a five-game uh, winning streak, you know, continuing against, you know, poor 500 teams. I mean, 
Yeah, it sucks. You know, that last series before, um, you know, the all-star break, the boys didn't get to win the series. And it's been a while since they haven't um, lost a series. And it was kind of a wake-up call for them, I guess, you know, post-all-star game break. And they've been, you know, offense has been great. Pitching has been great. And, um, you know, we look to hand the ball to Jake Odorizzi, which is nothing new to him. I mean, he's pitched to Oakland already twice, once already at Oakland, then one, you know, in that pitiful series at home. So, I mean, his last time it wasn't that bad. It was a five and a third, five hits, three earned runs, five strikeouts. Um, You know, it's just something that Odo has to adjust. You know, this is going to be his third time seeing them. It's almost like a playoff game. You're going to see the same players, same hitters, same, you know, team. So we'll, we'll just have to see what Odo decides to do and hopefully has a great outing again in Oakland. Yeah, hopefully so. And, and I mean, last time he was out there, you know, two weeks ago, uh, he, he was phenomenal. He went seven innings of, of one run, one hit ball. Uh, he, lo- he looked great. So hopefully we can get shades of that Odo tonight uh, again at 840. We'll see what the lineup looks like. We obviously uh, we didn't mention this, but in yesterday's game against Seattle, the series finale, Jordan Alvarez was held out of that game uh, just for an extra precaution with that hand injury. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in uh, Astros Roundup, but this seems to be kind of we're, we're going to see more Jordan rest days than we'd probably like to see just as a matter of caution of, of taking things easy with that hand uh, and that, that lingering injury he's got there. But hopefully we'll see him back in the lineup uh, and crushing some balls out there at the Coliseum. And then tomorrow night, we don't know who's starting for the Astros. It'll either be Christian Javier or Luis Garcia. Dusty has confirmed that it will be those two. He's just not sure which order they're going to be in yet. Uh, maybe today we'll find out. But for right now, we're just going to assume uh, we'll, that we'll go with uh, actually we'll probably, probably Christian Javier since he threw first of those two. And they, they both threw on Thursday. Um, so he's going up against Frankie Montas of the Oakland Athletics. Frankie uh, Montas is, is three for nine with a 3.16 ERA. Um, he made his first start off the IL. He was on the 10 day IL. Um, he came off against the Tigers this weekend, going three innings, two hits, zero runs, one walk, five strikeouts. I'm assuming that he's going to, he's on some kind of uh, pitch limit or something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, just as a matter of precaution coming off that injury. Cause I think it was a, it was a shoulder or something with his throwing arm. Yeah. Uh, so- it was some discomfort. Yeah, so they're gonna they're gonna keep an eye on him. So hopefully we can tag him up early and run him out of the game and get into that Oakland bullpen that's um, one of the worst in the major leagues. Uh, but he, otherwise, he's lost three straight decisions. But here's a, here's the thing about playing for the Oakland Athletics: he's lost three straight decisions. His last two were two to one ball games. Yeah, that sucks when you don't have an offense like you have nothing you know, behind our offense. You. We have yeah, nothing behind it, you. That, I mean, you can hold him to two runs and still get the loss. That sucks. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you, uh, you know he's praying. You know he's praying to get traded at the deadline. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And he probably will be. I'm assuming they're going to deal him. But um, so yeah, maybe this is maybe this is his last start as an Oakland Athletic before the deadline. Uh, let's send him home with an with with an L. Honestly, uh, we we talked earlier about Christian Javier. We've seen kind of different shades of Javier over the course of this season as he's been, you know, in more of a starter role uh, over the, over the course of the season. I was actually looking at his, his page. I didn't realize he only made four bullpen starts this season. I mean, four bullpen appearances. He's been starting, I guess, you know, since, since mid May, which doesn't seem like that long ago, but I guess here we are in end of July, but you know, hopefully yeah, we see Javier. That, that was one when that Jake Odorizzi injury had occurred. And then, yeah. In Boston, um, yeah, so. but I guess it just time has flown by since then. Um, but you know, hopefully we see Javier. I mean, he was good against the Yankees on Thursday. Uh, we saw he's capable of at his best against the Angels, against the uh, Yankees back in June, and he's going up against a relatively light hitting Oakland lineup. Uh, but an Oakland lineup that can be pesky sometimes uh, and can present some problems. So hopefully Javier's got his stuff and he, he's locating that fastball well. Um, I, I think my big thing with Javier is just throw strikes, dude. He he throws so many balls. Yeah, it's I, always getting into them sticky situations. Going the two two, three yeah. two count. He'll even he'll even start off in o two and somehow 
we'll get a freaking walk, you know, going to four, you know, obviously, you know, four walk, four pitches of a ball. So, I mean, it's crazy for him to, um, you know, like you said, he just has to have a great outing. And, you know, he's been having some great outings these past, you know, starts. But, um, you know, like you said, pesky Oakland, it's just these little pesky below 500 winning ball clubs that, you know, the Astros somehow sometimes struggle against. Yeah. And, you know, we'll see how it is. We'll see. You know, we, we know that our guys can hit them. But also, I feel like the offense has underwhelmed us against the A's so far this year. Um, hopefully that, that can turn around. And then we'll, we'll close things out in Oakland on Wednesday in an afternoon game at 2.30. We'll have Luis Garcia, assuming, on the mound uh, for the Astros against Cole Irvin. Uh, Irvin's 5-7 and seven with a 3.08 ERA. We've seen this guy three times this season against, against the A's. Remember, we didn't play the A's until – the first week of June. So we've played them a lot recently and we're going to play them quite a bit more. And we've seen Irvin three times already. Uh, and against the Astros, he's been pretty phenomenal. Uh, he's one and one with a 2.04 ERA in his last outing. He started uh, last weekend in that series. He went six innings, three hits, one run, four strikeouts. And the previous outing back at their place, he went six innings, five hits, two runs, two strikeouts. And then we saw him in June, uh, six hits, one earned run, two walks, two strikeouts. This is a guy that we can hit. He doesn't strike us out that much. Our lineup knows what he has. And I, I just, I would really like to kind of just get after this guy. Yeah. Maybe four times the charm instead of being maybe the third, so. you know, from July 15, but. Yeah, I mean, just have to have Carly at best against this guy. Obviously, he's had success over these last three outings against us. But, you know, that's when, you know, that's the thing about baseball. You have to make adjustments. And, um, you know, for that's why I said this stretch that we're having right now of a five-game winning streak coming off the All-Star break has been phenomenal for us. And, you know, hopefully it continues against this, you know, Oakland team. And especially against Cole Irvin that has, you know, had some success this season from us but like you said we're gonna we're gonna see oakland quite a bit um this year 16 games you know of oakland i believe we're playing them you know of the of, in our division more than anybody so yeah yeah gotta take advantage of this team gotta take advantage absolutely so that, that's our preview for this uh series versus the oakland athletics uh obviously playing out, out west and we're coming home later in the week to face the mariners uh, I think we play the Mariners at home next, this weekend, and then we don't see them again. I think that's it for Seattle. Look at the schedule yeah, right now. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Seattle is just this last, um, you know, the homestand when we come back home. So, yeah, it'll be interesting, so, you know. It'll be good. I'd love to, you know, take take at least two of these games, obviously, from Oakland and keep keep things rolling. With, I think a sweep would be phenomenal here, just keeping momentum building. And maybe that's too much to ask, you know. But also, I, I know we're capable of it. Um, and I, I, my big thing is I want to see the starters have deep outings here because I know, you know, with, with Javier and Luis Garcia, those guys do not typically have the deepest outings for us. Uh, but with this, this stretch we've got, we don't have a break until August 8th. So, you know, keeping the bullpen limited, uh, as much as possible will be ideal and bring it home. Yeah. Against these 500 teams, especially. So we got to really yes, take advantage of these teams. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and move into our Astros roundup. And again, not the Astros injury report, even though it kind of feels like it. Uh, <laughs> but good news, Lance is back, baby. Throwing in live games, making it happen. He made his first rehab start with the Hooks in San Antonio on Friday night. If it wouldn't have been in San Antonio, this is a little bit too far of a drive. But I was prepared. I for sure would have gone if he was in Sugarland. Uh, but he made that starting with the hooks out in San Antonio. He pitched two innings, three hits, one earned run, three strikeouts. Uh, after the game, he said that he felt great. He was really happy with his with it with his velo. I think he got um, radared at like ninety seven. Yeah, so I think he had nice six or nice seven. One of those. Yeah, nine six nine seven. So I mean, he he's feeling good. Um, it's really nice knowing, like, like, like I can feel him. He's almost back. Um, he's going to make another rehab start. 
to sign with the Space Cowboys up in Oklahoma City this week. They're playing the OKC Dodgers. So we'll see him a little bit more in some AAA action. He's probably got at least two or three rehab starts, but he should be back hopefully, you know, middle of August, the latest. And that'll be a big boost getting Lance back in the rotation. Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to make our starting rotation even stronger and gives hope, gives Christian Javier back his, uh, you know, his little long relief bullpen appearances. He's probably going to be thinking like, man, this is brand new for me. But yeah, Lance McCullers even getting, you know, Astro fans into San Antonio. I mean, I'm pretty yeah. sure there's a bunch of them out there. You know, a little mixture of San Antonio, uh, not San Antonio, a mixture of Houston and Texas fans. But um, even though it's a Padre affiliate, ain't that some shit? Um, the missions are? But yeah, I think the missions are Padre affiliates. Yeah, they are. Because Fernando Tatis, I believe, had a rehab start over there. And I, I remember that. Yeah. But anyway, getting off track. A lot of Astro fans out there. And I think the San Antonio Missions had said this is probably one of the biggest crowds they ever had in attendance. And it was just because to see Lance McCullough Jr. pitch. And even uh, L- LMJ was even, you know, just outstand, like outstand, not outstanding, but outstanding. I-, I can't even say the word right now. My tongue is twisting. But, um, you know, just seeing all the fans out there for him and, yeah. you know, seeing him pitch again. And we haven't seen Lance since you know, the divisional game of uh, against the White Sox in, you know, 2021. So I think it's mixed emotions for everybody. It's for the fans, you know, for the Astros organization, and then even for him himself. I mean, and we're just ready. It's even great, you know, because he gets to pitch before we get into the stretch of fall baseball into that October season. I'm pretty sure, you know, the Astros are going to make it in the playoffs, the way they're hitting the ball and the way that they're playing at the rate right now. But get him ready for that especially you know august is a great month to get ready and you still got some games of september to pitch so yeah yeah it was it was great to see and having him back is going to be huge and another piece that we're hopefully getting back relatively soon will be michael brantley um who's been out a month now since since june 26 almost a month uh on that new york trip he was having some shoulder injuries and he's been on the il um, you know, and, and when he went on the IL, you know, obviously this front office loves that word discomfort and they, they love being very ambiguous about injury timelines and et cetera. Um, but he has not, as of now, started swinging a bat yet. Uh, but Dusty said this week, according to Brian McTaggart, Dusty said that this week, sometime this week, he's hopeful that Brantley can start swinging the bat. And usually that means a week after he starts swinging a bat, we can um hope to see him back in the lineup if things are if things go well when he starts swinging again um you know i think we'll talk a little bit when we talk about trades you know his the brantley situation changes i think how the astros approach the trade deadline a little bit um but it'll be nice to have him back so hopefully we get some positive news about brantley here pretty soon yeah, you know, that's the biggest thing that we need is that contact bat. But it's been outstanding, too, how this team has taken over, you know, pitching-wise from McCullers being, you know, out with injury and even with Brandley being out of the lineup, you know, Jeremy Pena stepping up in that two-hole, you know, others as well we have seen. But um, this team continues to win ball games when their, you know, star players are hurt. And like you said, we'll just have to see what happens at that deadline. You know, I don't know if we're going to make a push for Brandy, you know, it for that position left field. We obviously know about Jordan Alvarez still having that sore hand too as well. Um, you know, there could be some thoughts of bringing in another big bat. So, I mean, we'll just have yeah. to see what's going to happen, you know, in that situation that we're dealing with right now. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. And hopefully, again, we, we'll, we'll see it pretty quick how the trade deadline goes down. Uh, but – there's a lot of baseball left to play and, and having Brantley in the lineup is going to be really, really crucial for this team, I think, uh, to kind of take that next step. Also, while we were gone, the Major League Baseball draft happened last week. Uh, the Astros have officially now signed eight draft picks. I'm going to read them off real fast. We got first round uh, outfielder out of Tennessee, Drew Gilbert. Second round, Jacob Melton, outfielder from Oregon State. Uh, second round comp pick was Andrew Taylor, right-handed right-handed pitcher from Central Michigan. Third round Michael Knorr, 
right-hand pitcher from Coastal Carolina. Fourth round, uh, Trey Dombrowski, left-handed pitcher from Monmouth. Fifth round, Nolan DeVos, right-handed pitcher from Davidson. Seventh round, A.J. Blubaugh, right-handed pitcher from Milwaukee. And then the eighth round, Tyler Guilfoyle, right-handed pitcher from Kentucky. So welcome to the Astros organization, boys. Yes, welcome to the big happy family. And uh, shout out to that player development, uh, general manager, James Click, everybody that participated in that draft room to get these, you know, well, young, talented players. I know we saw Drew Gilbert and then that Tennessee, you know, being number one ranked in NC, you know, NCAA uh, baseball. And, uh, you know, of course, he has his moments. Um, you know, I remember in the SEC tournament, I want to say, or not the tournament, but um, the regionals, he, you know, had a word with the umpire. But, I mean, this kid's electric. Yeah. Besides, you know, that off the field, and not off the field, but, you know, on the field incidents that he was dealing with. I mean, this guy has a lot of power. He has some speed. Uh, same thing as Jacob Melton being a Pac-12 player of the year. And, um, you know, that bat of his, too. So, I mean, it's great to see from these first two picks. I'm pretty sure as well with all the power arms of uh, the pitchers that we had gotten to. I mean, it, it could show what these players – you don't even have to go to a power five, you know, top-ranked school. I mean, look at this. Yeah. Davidson, Milwaukee, you know, Coastal Carolina, Central Michigan. I mean, you don't not, – not a lot – you know, Mike Trout wasn't even from a big school. And look where he's at right now. So, I mean – it's the way you just, you know, develop yourself into being that baseball player that you are. So, like I said, welcome to the family. Welcome to the organization. We're happy to have you here. And hopefully, you know, we'll get to see you in the Astros uniform pretty soon. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of one of the things. That's baseball. That's how it works. That Some of these guys, we may never see them. You know, they may not even play double A, triple A for the Astros. But any one of them could. And any one of them could become you know, a star and eighth round Tyler Guilfoyle from Kentucky could be the biggest star out of all of them. You know, that that's just part of what you love about baseball and, you know, a lot of faith in our, like you said, our player development system that we have here with the Astros that any of these guys, they could all be MVPs. Uh, I know uh, on 790 before the game on Sunday, Click said that during the draft, Bregman texted him right after the first pick. And he said that he loved them picking Drew Gilbert at 28, that Bregman was excited for that pick. So Bregman, Bregman getting another SEC boy in the house. Yeah, that's crazy, too, because Tennessee and LSU, I mean, being in the same conference and you you love that pick, I mean, put put away the, you know, I guess the little – I mean, LSU is not really a big rival school to Tennessee, but, you know, of course, SEC teams sticking together. Yeah. Uh, and then last little note for Astros roundup. The Astros, after their sweep of the Mariners on Sunday, are sitting at 64-32. and 32. It is their best record through 96 games since 2017. Right now, this is a little tidbits. If the Astros keep their current pace, they're on track to win 108 games, which, is, which would be a franchise record. Would you have That's, expected that in April? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 crazy because of the injuries that we have been dealing with too as a team, yeah. and you know we don't even have big names. I mean, we've went through the 2019 with you know Garrett Cole, and you know we obviously got Zach Greinke at the deadline. Um, 2018, we had Charlie Morton. You know that crazy starting rotation that we had with McCullers too, and. This 27, you know, comparison of 2017, I mean, it's it's crazy and it's phenomenal at the same time because this team just continues to prove, you know, with the young talent that we have from our farm system that grew these players and developed them, obviously, to the players that they are today. You know, this team could do anything, you know, anything is possible for this team. Yeah, and like, I mean, my thing is I, I still feel like we haven't played our best baseball yet. Exactly. And it, we're, we still have key players out as well. Like I said, with the injuries, it's yeah. just people step up, players step up. I know for one damn fact, Aledmus Diaz has stepped up. Yeah, Seth yeah. Martinez has stepped up. I mean, players, when, you know, the biggest names don't have to show themselves. And that just right now it's showing Aledmus Diaz having that impact. He's showing, you know, 
maybe why we need to sign him another year because his contract ends this year. Uh, Yuli Gurio not having a great year, but I mean, somehow, you know, still getting other guys to be involved, you know, players that are not having great years, Bregman, Tucker, you know, Tucker was smashing the ball, 293 batting average after May. Right now, he's not, you know, he, he's still good, but I'm we're, he's not still at the expectations that I'm pretty sure that he wants to be same thing as Bregman as well. It's just showing this team is not selfish. This team doesn't care about stats. No. This team doesn't care about individual awards like the All-Star game. Um, they want to win. I, like yeah, I said, yeah. I think they're hungry for another World Series. I, I I know I would be, if I'm a player on that team, I'm tired of being runner-up, dude. I'm tired oh, of yeah. seeing the Astros lose in the World Series already. I mean, their record in the World Series now is 1-3. and three. We're going to hear some bullshit from the other fans that that World Series didn't count, so they're going to say they're on 4 who gives a dog shit what they're going to say. But I know Jim Crane, for a fact, is tired of it. The organization is probably tired of it. I know us fans are tired of losing the World Series, especially with the best team in Major League Baseball history in 2019 that, you know, somehow we didn't win, but that's baseball. But like you said, I think this team has not yet shown that we played our best baseball yet. And maybe it's, you know, here to come, you know, pretty soon, maybe before October, that it you know, takes us into, you know, the playoffs and we just start cruising through each team. But I mean, it's a great, you know, sight to see 64 and 32. You think we'd be talked about more, but right now the Yankees and of course the Dodgers, you know, that's your East coast, West coast media teams that are going to be talked about more than the Houston Astros. But yeah. And and we're right on their ass too. I mean, we're a game and a half back from the Yankees, one game back from the Dodgers um, obviously Yankees best record in baseball, best record in the American league. We already have, like you mentioned earlier, we have the tiebreaker over them for winning the season series. Uh, if we were to in the, in the series with the same record in the season with the same record, we'd have home field advantage if we played them in the playoffs, which it's, it feels like we're headed toward that. Um, certainly, but man, I want to, I want to, I want to have the best record in baseball. Why the hell not? Why the hell not? And even make another franchise record. Yeah. I want Dusty to get that World Series ring. You know, I, too, not man. just for us fans, but Dusty deserves it more than him. Oh, I mean, he managed Barry Bonds in San Francisco. <laughs> he had that great team in Chicago when he was with the Cubs. Um, you know, of course, he had a stunt with the Reds. You know, the National. I mean, the Nationals was a crazy story too, because he had a winning record with the Nationals. But when it just came to the playoffs. You know, he just they didn't perform for him. You know, Bryce Harper being in that team, for instance, Max yeah. Scherzer as well. I mean, it, it's time for this guy to get a ring. I think he needs and think, too, he wants a ring before he's done with baseball officially, because, I mean, he already has his son, you know, who had was involved in the futures game in L.A. And, you know, you want to see your son play with the time that you have still, you know, Dusty ain't getting any younger as well. So, I mean, it's 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 a big thing for them, not just for the organization, but for Dusty as well. And I appreciate the players around him, too, want Dusty to get that ring. So, yeah, you know, we, we have a great team. We have a great team this year. We always say that each year. But this year, it's, I mean, it's, it's 2017, 2019 vibes to me. We already talked about how the 2019 lined up with the, you know, the MVP, the Rookie of the Year, and uh, Cy Young. But, yeah, I mean, this team has a great – you know, they have a great chance to winning the World Series again. I, I, I would hope so. Uh, so, we'll end with a brief around the league, and then we have, we have a big announcement. So, basically, obviously, first weekend back, we had a lot of series. Uh, you know, we've got, we only got one series and not a whole lot of narratives. But one important thing did happen this weekend. We had the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Uh, we had Big Poppy. David Ortiz, in, uh, elected by the, the Baseball Writers Association. Uh, Gil Hodges, Jim Cat, Minnie Minoso, and Antonio Oliva were all inducted by the Golden Days Era Committee of the Hall of Fame. Uh, meant to, you know, kind of find those guys who got passed over at the time, you know, looking back, um, bring them in. And then the Early Baseball Era Committee, which looked even further back, at the early days of baseball, uh, they inducted Bud Fowler, who was the first black professional player, and Buck O'Neill, who was a Negro Leagues player. Uh, they all got inducted 
on Sunday. So that, that's awesome. That's a cool accomplishment. Um, I'd love to make it up to Cooperstown someday and, and visit the Hall of Fame. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, just growing up to seeing David Ortiz, for instance, and, you know, I think that's everybody's, you know, player besides, you know, the other players that, you know, Gil Hodges and Minnie Minoso that you see on MLB The Show, and you're like, who are these guys? But you play them on the show, and you get to see their, you know, their attributions that they come with them as as well. But, you know, David Ortiz being the biggest one of them all, you know, we got to see Big Poppy through his prime with Minnesota and then, you know, obviously going to Boston and having a big impact, you know, bringing Boston their first World Series in 86 years, I believe, um, you know, when Boston had the Boston Marathon uh, bombing, you know, he was the first one to talk and he had that big speech, you know, Boston strong and everything like that brought a World Series home, just like how the Astros did when Hurricane Harvey had occurred. So, I mean, Boston, uh, not Boston, but David Ortiz has been having a huge impact, not just in the game of baseball, but as a um, human being as well, you know, representing the Dominican League. I believe he's the fourth, um, you know, baseball Hall of Fame player to make it as a Dominican. I want to say Pedro Martinez. I know in the top of my head is one of them. Um, I'm pretty, I, I can't think of the two of them at the moment, but, you know, making that impact on Latin American players. I know, you know, for Dominicans as Rafael Devers, Albert Pujols is going to be one sooner, you know, sooner than later being probably a first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, people sure. look at that. Kids, kids look at that over there, you know, the Dominican Republic, because they want to. I'm pretty sure like right now, Jordan Alvarez is having a crazy, you know, MVP campaign right now. I'm pretty sure there's kids in Cuba that wants to be like him. Our farm system has grown into Cuban players now. We have more Cuban players than we've ever had just because of Alvarez and Guerrero. So, um, so that, that happens too with David Ortiz and all these yeah. other Latin American players coming from, um, you know, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Cuba, um, Venezuela, you know, all these players coming in players like these, David Ortiz having a huge impact on that. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see him, you know, being able to be enshrined in Cooperstown, New York. Yeah, it is awesome. And, you know, hopefully we have some, hopefully we have some guys on, International Jersey getting there, you know, in the, in the future. But that is our show. But we do have an important announcement. Over the course of this week, we are going to have between now and the trade deadline, which is on August second, we are going to have three bonus shows coming your way. The first of which is going to drop tomorrow. So if you're listening to this on Monday, shoot us a tweet. Let us know. We're going to be talking strictly trade deadline who we want the Astros to target, who we see going where, the big names, the Soto, the Castillo, the Contreras, where are these guys going to land when that all comes to an end on the second? So we're going to have the first episode of our trade deadline special coming out tomorrow, so stay tuned. Uh, and then we'll let you guys know. We're not exactly sure where we're going to put episodes two and three. They'll be coming. They'll be a lot of fun. So make sure you tune in for those. Thanks, guys. It has been It's been great being back with you guys. See you tomorrow. Yep. One more thought on that. Um, you know, obviously we had our giveaway. I was out there, you know, representing for us and everything like that. Big congrats to Maruchan Warrior at Maruchan. Maruchan. You know, that's the noodles that you eat. I don't know if anybody knows that. That's the actual brand called Maruchan. Maruchan Warrior Jr., congrats, man. I'm winning them little, um, you know, all-star game swag that, you know, we were able to get out there and, you know, that mystery bobblehead, we'll have to see what you're going to get. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. See you later.